Welcome into the new episode of Earning Their Stripes. My name is Danny Martinez. I'm back from Aruba and I'm happy to be here with my guys, Ian Smith and Ethan Badowski. Honestly, no long intro today because this is quite frankly a franchise altering week. We don't know if it's for better. We don't know if it's for worse, but it's definitely something that a lot of us have been anticipating and something that probably caught a lot of us off guard. So we're going to have a good 30, 40 minute conversation just on all the trades that happened this week and how a farm system's looking. Ethan, Ian, how y'all doing? It's good to be back, man. I'm doing good. Crazy, oh, crazy fantastic. week. It's been a great week. It's ready to talk some baseball. I wasn't ex- wasn't expecting to have this much uh, trade conversation ready to go, but uh, this has been crazy. Yeah, man. Do you know how difficult it is to be on honeymoon and like know that you can't be on your phone? <laughs> Because if not, your wife is going to get on you. And she's she's a great sport. Like, if there was a trade that went down, she was like, honey, go ahead. Don't worry. We've done enough. But, man, every single day, it seemed like there was a rumor or something that really caught us by uh, off guard and by surprise. So we're just going to jump into it because, like I said, I want to maximize the time that we have to talk about it. We're going to start off with the trade that a lot of individuals had a very quick and passionate reaction to. I know that I was one of them. The Marlins acquire shortstop Jazz Chisholm uh, for Zach Gallen. Zach Gallen, someone that we've spoken about quite a lot on this podcast, someone that if we're going to tap ourselves on the shoulder and give ourselves some praise, we were speaking about him while individuals just thought that he was a throw-in for a year or so forth. So uh, it's hard to talk about. I'm going to let Ian hit leadoff here. What do you think about the Jazz Chisholm trade for Zach Gallen? Oh, man. Well, when I first saw it, I'm going to be one of those people who made a completely instant reaction when I saw the trade. I mean, it was a shock to me. Seeing Zach Gallon getting traded one for one for a prospect, six, six or seven starts into his career after seeing what the kid possibly could be, was crazy to me. Um, took me about three or four hours really to, to, to sit on it and really sit, think about it, but the Marlins made this trade out of a strength, and it's it was a, it's a smart trade if it pans out. Jazz Chisholm is an extremely electric player. Uh, he's highly regarded across a lot of different websites as a top prospect. He brings an extremely powerful left-handed swing up, out of a small body. But man, this trade absolutely frightens me. <laughs> if I'm going to be frank, I mean... This uh, Jazz has a 34% K rate over his first four years in the minors. Um, that's very scary in, in, in his own right. His big years, he's had extremely high balls in play average, which is something that doesn't seem sustainable. I mean, he gets a lot of Javi Baez comps, and he gets a lot of comps like that, which would be amazing. And seeing that moonshot he hit last night for in his first game with Jacksonville was super exciting to see. But... I think this trade is going to take one or two years to really see what we have in jazz. I don't think this is an instant reaction type of deal. Um, I'm, I'm again, victim of being an instant, instant reactor. But, yeah, I really think this is going to be a long-term figure out what kind of deal this is. Yeah, I agree with you, Ian, there. I think you make a, a great point about kind of letting this one marinate and sit and really taking a step back before we evaluate it. Obviously, uh, when I saw the news, I was, uh, I was heartbroken, to be honest with you guys. I was very heartbroken. 
um, that we traded Gallon because he's one of the OGs. You know, he came over in the Ozuna trade. He was one of the first guys that we all got really excited about. Um, and then, you know, he had, he had the down year last year, but obviously this year he just took it to a new level. And, you know, then I kind of like, like you did, Ian, like I kind of sat and I was like, wow, we got a really good prospect here. You know, we got a, a top 100 guy. We've got six of them now. And, uh, you know, people will say that doesn't mean much, but it does because these are elite talents that we're getting here. We're getting some elite talents and we're getting it at a position to need. And, you know, I, I have my doubts about this trade. Obviously, I'm still very upset we traded Gallon. Uh, I'm not happy with it because, uh, you know, as you know, you guys know damn well. And if you follow my Twitter, you know for sure um, that, you know, I was the leader on the trade Caleb Smith trade uh, train. Uh, I think that would have been a really good move for the Marlins to make. And Chisholm was a guy, one of those guys right in that area where it would have been the perfect return that I was looking for for Caleb, a top 50 to 75, somewhere in that range. I think Chisholm is ranked like 58 on pipeline kind of guy with a ton of power and really a lot of upside um, that you could, you know, you could be willing to move on from Caleb Force. So when I first looked at it, I was like, well, why the hell did we give up Gallon? But when you really break it down, the Marlins are still in a really good spot. You know what I mean? With all the arms that we have in the system. I mean, we talk about it every episode that we're on here, all the arms that we have. And we still have Sixto. We still have Eddie. We still have uh, Rogers and Garrett. You know what I mean? We still have, um, I was about to say Valamont, but we don't have Valamont anymore. But we still have a lot of really good talent in this system, especially at the arms. You know, Yams um, had a really nice outing the other night. So as disappointing as it is to give up Zach Gallen, I really like the concept behind the trade, which is we have this surplus of pitching and we lack power. We've talked about it all year. And all of a sudden, with the few trades that we've made recently, uh, the Marlins really have a surplus of power in the system right now, especially from the left side of the plate. And I think that's really important. And it's really good to see the Marlins, like I've talked about a lot, having good system awareness, realizing there's a hole in the system and going out and just absolutely attacking it. I mean, all three trades that we made around the deadline, um, the Diaz trade, the Sanchez trade and this trade. Uh, address that need. And so I think, you know, as disappointing as it is to give up Gallon, and I'm still very much questioning why we gave up Gallon, and it will be a long time before we determine the result of this trade. Uh, the concept behind it is the right concept. And, mm -hmm. and you know, it, it, Jazz Chisholm's exciting. So I'm excited about that for sure. Yeah, as, as I got off of the boat, one of the adventures we were doing in Aruba was uh, the moment that I first got Wi-Fi. And you could go on my Twitter timeline, and the first thing I saw was the return. I had not seen that Zach Gallen had been the outgoing player. I saw Marlins acquire Chaz Chisholm from uh, the Diamondbacks. And you'll see that the first thing I tweeted was OMGGG because I couldn't believe that we got this caliber of prospect. I had no idea who the outgoing players were at that time. Ethan, you said that, uh, that he was like 58 in pipeline. Yeah, he's 31 in fan graphs, but in Baseball America, he's unranked. And to me, that speaks, and we never see that, by the way. We never see fan graphs in Baseball America disagree to that extent, but it's because of the prospect that he is. He's very volatile. He's very exciting. He has tools that are very loud. He's leading the, the minors again in, in shortstop home runs, which for what it's worth, Isan and Chisholm are both leading in their respective positions. So the Marlins might end the year with the highest home run totals from both of those positions in the minors, which is exciting. Uh, but because of that volatility, the two words that stick with me are dissonance 
and I'll explain that in a second. And risk. I mean, this is mm-hmm. it's aggressive, yeah. but this is a risky trade. At best, I'm 50-50 on this because of how much we appreciate what Gallen has been and could be. And the fact that Gallen's a safer prospect and he's already shown it at the major league level and his stuff clearly plays. And Chisholm's such a more volatile prospect. That's where the dissonance comes in. Dissonance is you have two things that are good in front of you or two thoughts that are good, but they're fighting against each other. I love the fact that Chisholm's here. I almost equally hate the fact that it was Gallen that had to go. So it's it's a tough situation, but it's one that, Guys, he could be the cornerstone shortstop for the future of the Marlins. I no, mean, yeah, this is high pedigree. Go for it, Ethan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what I've been seeing. You know, that's something that kind of calmed me down is like mistweeted how much the, the Marlins love this guy. And the reality of it is as good as Gallon looked, what is his real ceiling? You know what I mean? I don't know if many of us think that Zach Gallon is going to be an ace in the MLB for 15 years. You know what I mean? When you look at his real ceiling, uh, it's probably somewhere around the middle of the rotation, like a three guy. You know what I mean? So when you look at that and you say, okay, we traded a, a guy with a ceiling at a middle rotation for what could be our future shortstop that hits for a ton of power. And Ian said, you know, I'm not going to say he's Javi Baez because one, I don't know enough about him to say that. And two, the stats don't reflect that, but it, you know, somebody like Javi Baez, like that's crazy. And and this could be a really good value deal for the Marlins in two years when we look back at it and, and really kind of obs- assess it. Like, uh, you know, like Ian was talking about. And, and another I, thing, go ahead, Ian. sorry, Danny, but another thing that really stands out about the Marlins acquiring Chisholm is where he's from. Being from Nassau, Bahamas, and being from the I League Academy, yeah. same academy and same hometown as Ian Lewis, who they just recently signed out of the Bahamas yeah. in this free agency. They've been connected to Chisholm for now almost over a year. And the connections between these teams is, is kind of crazy. Um, one of the new scouts for the Marlins this year is John Eshelman, who was with 2080 Baseball last year and a pro scout for the Diamondbacks is Jacob Fasaro and um, just the, the connection between these teams and the familiarity that they've had with these players really shows on this trade to me, because this is something that's pretty unheralded with two prospects that are this either one being so heralded for over this time and Shizholm and and Zach Gallon, who's blown up boards all year this year and looking like a a real major league player. It's just, it's a very surprising deal for me, but it shows the work the Marlins have been putting into the player development and scouting of these new guys. I think it was a lot of shock factor in the deal, right? Like, I think the, we nobody expected us to give up one of our guys. You know what I mean? Like, Gallon's one of our guys, you know, specifically, especially on this show. And all of a sudden, he's gone. So when I saw Zach Gallon traded, like, it was a huge punch in the face. And also, like, I talked about this with Aram on Twitter, like, the optics of this trade kind of suck. You know what I mean? And I know the front office shouldn't be worried about optics, and we shouldn't be worried about optics. But the optics of the trade really does suck because everybody's always been saying, oh, they'll just trade these guys when they get to the major leagues and they get good. And Gallon got to the major leagues and he got good and they traded him. It's obviously for a different reason than the past regime and it's a completely different thing but i think that is one of the reasons that we all reacted so negatively to the trade is that the optics and the shock factor were there and they just kind of like punched us in the face yeah and it's it really is a shame that and i get why i get why this current regime has to worry about optics but it's such a shame that they do you know baseball operations shouldn't have to 
um, worry about optics when they're making moves. Yeah, at the end of the day, if someone's telling you this is a safe move, they're lying to you. It's not a safe move. If you're trying to convince yourself it's a safe move, no one here is doing that. But on Twitter, you're just fooling yourself. This is full of risk, but it just sucks that people bring in the optics. Like, I understand if Zach Gallen had gone through his arbitration years and was about to get paid, and then they flipped him. That's what the old mm -hmm. regime would do. This is this is someone who still had prospect status, someone who has seven games under his belt, and they're damn good games. And I think he's going to be a middle of the rotation and maybe could even push that ceiling type of guy. But at the end of the day, three months ago, six months ago, you take Jazz Chisholm every single day Absolutely. over Zach Gallen, who was a quote-unquote throw-in for you know for so long that we had to convince people that he wasn't just a throw-in uh before we transition i'll let you guys have final thoughts as well but i want to say something real quick about jazz so if we're looking at a scouting basis right the first thing that everyone brings up is oh man we traded him and he's hitting 204 okay we know he also has k recognition issues he has this very lofty swing that's why he's a very powerful when he makes contact type Daniel Brown faced the minimum in the sixth, thanks to a double play, trying to do it again in the seventh. His pitch, and Chisholm swings away, hammers this ball. It's deep out into right center field. Dylan Thomas to the wall, and it's gone. What a night for Jazz Chisholm. He's now three for four with a homer, triple, a single, and he's given the Jumbo Shrimp a 4 nothing lead on his 19th combined home run of the season. Let's please stop focusing on the 204 average. This is someone that if you look at weighted runs created plus has not been below average since he was first drafted. Okay, he has been above yep. average every single year in the minors, including this year that he was hitting 204. He's someone that if you look at his OPS has been average or above average every single year, including this year. So we hyper focus on one, what I believe is obsolete if we give it by itself stat. And, and we just, you know, forget the pedigree and the other things that say that he could become that star and even to some extent superstar shortstop. So not a safe mood, very risky. It sucks to see Zach Gallen go, but the pendulum has to swing a little bit back to, okay, we gave a lot to get a lot. Uh, it's, it's exciting to have at least that type of bat in the system. Ethan, is there anything you want to add to that? Uh, first of all, the guy's name is Jazz. We didn't talk enough about how his name is Jazz. His name is Jazz. Okay, come on. This guy's got all the swag in the world. Um, but yeah, like like you said, Danny, like dude's hitting 204, but he's got a 427 slugging percentage. Like that means the dude's absolutely raking. He's just got to make a little more contact. His his ISO is like 223 uh, quick maths, and mm -hmm. he's got a 732 OPS when he's hitting. 204. I, I texted you guys the other day. Like, imagine if this dude was just hitting 240 like he has yep. most of his career. He'd be absolutely raking. His numbers would be tremendous. And he'd probably have more like 25 home runs, which would be right around, I think, Isan has 25. Um, you know, look, imagine what his numbers would look like if he was just making a little bit more contact. And I think he has had a little bit of uh, balls in play a lot. Uh, bad luck. But uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this guy. And again, his name is Jazz. <laughs> you don't get any better than that. All right, so on to the trade that I think the tone's going to be a lot more positive around. Not that we aren't positive with Jazz, but I mean, this trade, it happened, it seemed, right at the 4 o'clock deadline yep. or right after where Twitter was on safety watch because we had just traded Zach Gallon away. And all of a sudden, it comes out and you see that the Rays and the Marlins are trying to conduct a deal at the deadline. They did it. Trevor Richards, which, by the way, I can't wait to see the way that the Tampa Rays 
just yeah. absolutely maximize yeah. his value. Nick Anderson traded to Tampa for a consensus top 100 prospect, consensus top 50 prospect in baseball, Jesus Sanchez, and Ryan Stanek, who is under, I believe, until 2024. He won't be a free agent. He's a heck of a player in his own right. He's just not a prospect. Uh, and he's likely going to be the closer, at least I would assume, eventually down the line for the fish, or they could flip him. But we're here to talk about Jesus Sanchez. E- Ethan, I know that you love this particular trade like yeah. we all do. I want you to take a stab at it first. Yeah, so you know, it, as part of my uh, trade Caleb campaign, I went through a lot of systems looking at guys that would kind of be, um, you know, potential trade pieces for Caleb. And this guy jumped off the page at me. He's a guy that other people on Marlins Twitter, I know Lou Davila has ta- uh, Davia has talked about getting him before. Um, this guy's just a beast, man. I mean, he's just a beast. He hits for a good average. He hits for power. Uh, he's got eleven doubles, eight home runs on the year. Uh, you know, he's just, he's the exact kind of guy that we needed. And I was just so excited about him. And I think the most exciting thing for me was I talked all, I've talked all year about how the Marlins screwed up by not trading Conley and second rider. And I mean, they traded bear claw, but not kind of maximizing those guys values. Um, relievers are the most volatile position in major league baseball. Uh, we've seen guys have tremendous years and then just not matter the next year at all and when you're a bad team and you're still rebuilding and you need pieces when you have a reliever with value you trade them the marlins didn't do that last year but it's really good to see this often uh this front office like learning on the fly and and learning their lesson from last year and maximizing nick anderson's value and maximizing trevor richards's value and turning them into an absolutely elite prospect this guy is the number 42 overall prospect on pipeline uh he's an ifa guy which you you guys know i absolutely love um i mean he just rakes and and i was so excited i was at work And it took me like 30 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever, to get a chance to look and see what the Marlins did. And when I saw that they turned Trevor Richards and Nick Anderson into Jesus Sanchez and Ryan Stanek, who I know Ian is going to talk about. He's been talking about him nonstop. Um, When I saw that they turned those guys into Jesus Sanchez, I just couldn't believe my eyes. Um, Just a tremendous trade worked by the Marlins here. And again, it's addressing that power that we needed from the left side of the plate. Um, that we've addressed all year, really. And this is just such a great move. And he jumps right to the top of the list of that in, in that loaded outfield. He jumps right to the top of the list of guys that could make their mark in this organization in the outfield. Yeah, I mean, yeah, man, you, you're hitting it on the head. I mean, we're hitting, I mean, 345 came around and we heard, I think Nick Anderson was up, was in talks with the Rays, and that was all we heard. And I was like, all right, we could we could pull something back for him. He's under control. He's, he's had good numbers. And then trade comes out, and it's Jesus Sanchez and Ryan Stanek. And I was more – I literally texted a buddy of mine saying we got 10 minutes to redeem ourselves because I was still so upset with the gallon trade that I was I was getting frustrated. I'm at work. It's hot out. It was it was a rough day. But the Marlins struck gold in this deal. This was the the, the absolute – definition of maximizing talent um they got two guys who can be key fixtures in their system for looks like next three to five years jesus sanchez is an exciting player to put in this system you're talking about all the left-handed hitters the marlins have added i had had a tweet about this the other day in the last two months the marlins have added now 
Luan Diaz, Jesus Sanchez, Jazz Chisholm, Cameron Meisner, and J.J. Bidet in two months. Like, those could be five impact left-handed bats that could all hit for power. Like, you don't do that very often. You don't, you don't add to a system like that. We've made this system so balanced so fast, or excuse me, they have made this system so balanced so fast that it's such a sight to see. Jesus Sanchez is probably the one of the most exciting players in, in our system now. I mean, he might be more excited than Monte if he puts it all together. The kid looks like a smaller version of Jordan Alvarez. He's got dumb power. It's very effortless when he gets a hold of the ball. And he hits with a high hit tool. I mean, a, a plus hit tool. It's it's exciting to see. Um, the other guy in this trade, obviously, you guys talked about, Ryan Stanek, is a guy I really, really like. He's a former starter. He's only recently just fully committed to being a opener slash relievers in 2016. And he's had great results. He's got a plus plus fastball. I believe he's in the, the top eighth or top 90 something percentile for fastball this year. I think it's 97.8, I believe. But he's got two pitches that are filthy with a splitter and a curve and a slider that he can get guys out with. And I really, really, I'll have an article later this week on swings and misses, but I think he's going to be the closer of the Marlins for, for the next five years. I mean, he's got that kind of stuff. I know how volatile relievers are, but this kid is really good, and he's just scratching the surface on what kind of pitcher he can be. I think a lot of people overlook Stanek because he's not the sexy named prospect in this trade. But I'm right with the first you. Pick, yeah, I, I, I mean, you would think that people would have an understanding of what his pedigree is, but it just seems like Jesus Sanchez, and for the right reasons, I would assume, Absolutely. gets all of the headlines. But I'm excited to have Stanek here. I'm excited to read your article as well. You and I are both on the same page with this. I think that if they don't flip him, he is someone who will be a significant, significant portion of a competitive team, whenever that may be. On Jesus Sanchez, when I wrote the series of uh, the, the JT Riamuto rumors are going around and we wrote a series of who the candidates might be from each team that were rumored to be in the market for him uh you know jesus sanchez was the second guy that i highlighted from the race system and i believe if we go back to fist stripes i finished that paragraph with but it's not happening now i said that with jt Riomuto, and they just got them or they just got him for trevor richards and nick anderson that's ridiculous. Yeah. Now, it's also scary because the Rays are a very intelligent team, so it makes me think of what they know that we might not know. <laughs> but it's still here. He's still a consensus top elite prospect for a reason. Uh, you know, you mentioned Jordan Alvarez. If you actually look back at Christian Yelich 2011, his numbers are incredibly similar to Jesus Sanchez's pedigree. In a, in a weird fashion, you probably wouldn't mock those two players together, but they both have advanced hit tools. They both have somewhat above average power. Now, of course, I'm not talking about MVP Yelich. I'm talking about pre-trade Yelich. But go look at those numbers if you're at home. 2011 Christian Yelich and then Jesus Sanchez pedigree over the last few years. You'll be surprised with how similar of a player they are. Um, I, I want to ask Ethan this question real quickly because Jesus Sanchez is likely the guy who gets the first call up. He's already at AAA. Uh, do, do you agree with that? Do you think that he's someone that we could see later this year or next year early? What do you think? Uh, it all depends on how he gets going in New Orleans because he played 18 games in AAA in the race system and he really kind of underwhelmed. His OPS was only 599. He was hitting 206. Uh, and he kind of K'd a lot. Yeah, he really did K a lot. 
Um, so yeah, it all depends on how he plays over the next month in AAA. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a September candidate. Um, but I think the only way it really happens is if he gets hot, like really, really scorching hot in this month of August and they have no other choice, but to call him up. Um, but I think he could be like one of those early season call-ups that we see next year. Um, that's probably more likely like cup hits with the team in spring training, see how he does. And if he races in spring training, maybe give him a call or, you know, let him go down to new Orleans for a while and break and uh and then and then get the call up but yeah i think within the next 12 months he'll probably be up in miami ian let me get your thoughts on that and actually you could add on jazz as well because because i'm sure that that's something uh, our listeners are interested in oh call loves on these guys um i believe we're gonna see jesus sanchez i would i would think in after the deadline next year and Jazz, as much as I've heard things about Jazz starting maybe getting a call up at the end of next year, it would really surprise me. I feel like this team, he's a young kid. This team's not going to rush him. I don't believe he makes it to the major leagues right now. They have Miggy signed through 2020. And if I don't believe they're going to make call this kid up to the majors with a 30-plus K percentage. I just don't, I don't see it happening. Uh, I believe 2021, first few months, we're going to see Jazz in the majors. But as soon as he hits the major leagues, I think he's going to hold on to the shortstop position for a long time. So it's it's just going to take time with him. So 2021 is my guess with him. Yeah, I agree with that because uh, I think he's going to have to repeat double A. You know, Monte was a candidate to repeat double A, but he hit 240 in double A. He didn't hit 200. Um, so uh, like, you know, just like Jesus, just like Jesus, like, unless Chisholm gets really, really hot and just scorches the month of August, which he got off to a really good start last night going three for four with a home run and what he came up like a triple side of the cycle or something. So, um, yeah, unless he gets really, really scorching, like, yeah, he's going to have to repeat double A, and based off that, he probably won't be up next year. A a guy I'm going to compare Jazz to that I hope to see in development this year or next year will be Harari Encarnacion this year. He's dropped his K percentage almost 10% since last year and and playing really well. If we can see that kind of production and development from Jazz, it's going to be it's could be a different story come next season if he's if he's striking out in 26, 27% and shit like this. So, I'm not worried yeah. about the, I'm not too worried about the average like like Danny was talking about earlier. He he just got these excuse me, electric tools that he can use. And if he just learns how to put the bat on the ball a little bit more, he could be real exciting. So I think that's the biggest thing for this kid is just working on that strike zone, that recognition. Yeah, just real quick, I love that comp about Gerard, and I just want to shout out Gerard. He got off to a really tough start in Jupiter, um, but now he's got the average up at 250. He's slugging over 360, uh, and his K rate is still pretty low. I mean, it was 39%. It was 30% in uh, low A last year, 39% in 16 games in A, and now he's got it down to 26.2% in high A. So, yeah, I would love to see that kind of dip. It can happen that fast in one year. We've seen it happen before. Uh, and I love. I would. I think a, a comparison like that to Gerard is pretty accurate and pretty good. All right. So we have ten minutes left. I want to get to a trait that I personally really like. It's the one that no one talks about because when you bring Jazz and Jesus into your prospect system, you probably aren't going to talk that much about Lewin Diaz. But I want to talk about him because he's, number one, he's hit back to back homers the last two days, <laughs> which is exciting. Yeah. 
just to talk about it. And if you can get yeah. you, he went deep again, he went deep again tonight. Yeah. 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 And he went over the scoreboard, which is just impressive. I'm not even sure if that ball has landed, but let's talk about it. He's the first trade. It's the first trade that happened in the uh, in the deadline, happened a few days prior to the deadline. They flipped an expiring contract and a great leader, someone I'd love for them to even come back possibly and get this offseason is Sergio Romo and a young arm that we also speak very highly of in Chris Valamont for a lefty power slugging first baseman who has a very good glove over at first, Lewin Diaz. I, I loved this trade from the moment it happened because number one, it was creative as the Marlins have ever been. They, they weren't going to get a Diaz type prospect for just Sergio Romo. They had to give a little bit more and it's tough to see Chris leave, but the ability to flip from strength and get a strong power hitting first baseman who's having a great year after a down year last year into your system is incredibly impressive. So I'm going to let Ian talk about this first. I loved it. I know that there's risk there with Chris. I love the creativity. What did you think of this trade when you first learned about it? I thought it was a good trade for both sides. I think this was a great idea of Minnesota to maximize Lewin's um potential right now after his down year last year he was in the rule five draft draft last year went unclaimed and came out in 2019 and looked like a completely different player again um the marlins gave up a good piece in chris valleymont that could turn into maybe a zach allen down the line he's a big guy who could be an innings eater and and maybe a three or four in the the future but i think it's a great deal for for miami leon diaz is, is instantly the best first base prospect in the, in the whole system. Absolutely. He's got immense power. Ethan, we just saw him a few months ago at the Florida State League All-Star game. He's, ma- yeah. he's a massive kid. Um, he can play yeah. defense at first base. He's, it, it's a lot better than people say it is. He plays well that for his him? size. What's that? That was him? Yeah. He at was, that he, game, that first baseman? Yeah, he got, oh. he got called up either that weekend after or uh-huh. right after. Yeah, it was the last last. Yeah, he was yeah. a unit. Yeah, so it's it's exciting to see this kid in, in our system, in the Miami system now. Um, I think last year he just ch- kind of checked out, and the development really just took a huge dip. I, I'm looking at his numbers right now, and I cannot even figure out what happened last year. Um, every other year is a completely different story from this kid. I think he just needs to be competitive and really just ready to work, and he's in the system in, in Jacksonville now with a bunch of guys that are really excited to be there. And I think he's got a chance to really make some waves in this Marlin system going forward. Yeah, I love this deal. I mean, I texted you guys uh, when I heard that we got Lewin, and I was like freaking out, man. You know, I I was like, we got Lewin. Um, but yeah, then I heard that um, we traded Valamont. I think Ian was the one that told me. Uh, and yeah, I was definitely, you know, it was another punch in the face a bit because he is one of our guys. We've been talking about him all year. I know how much you loved him, Ian. Um, but yeah, like you said, Danny, like this was a very, very creative trade um, by the Marlins. And this was a good work deal. Like, you know, I knew we were going to trade Romo, but I was like, what can we really get for this guy? So yeah, we have expandable pitching. We talked about it with Gallon. Our pitching is expandable. And Valamont was kind of the first guy on the outside. You know what I mean? And that was clear because he was the first guy that the Marlins traded and they used his value 
um, to just kind of open it up and get a really good prospect in Lumen Diaz, who's at the plate right now uh, in Jacksonville. Um, but I mean, these guys, num- this guy's numbers are incredible. Um, when you look at it, they kind of remind me, we were talking about hobby with Chisholm earlier. Um, they kind of remind me of hobby's numbers. Uh, doesn't really take a ton of walks. Uh, his, his OBP, uh, Overall, is not even 50 points higher than his average, uh, but he slugs a ton. I mean, his slash line this year is really impressive. He's hit. Uh, this is across uh, dub, uh, high A and double A, 288, 330, 545. In double A with Minnesota uh, in 33 games, he was hitting 302 with a 587 slugging percentage and a 928 OPS. I know that's a, not, a lot of numbers I threw at you there, but um, yeah, these guys' numbers are really impressive this year, and it's really awesome to see like kind of like what happened with Monte like Monte just had a down year that just kind of seemed like an outlier and Lewin kind of had a a down year that seemed like an outlier last year and he's come back and absolutely torn the cover off the ball um so yeah and and like you said uh I I think it was you Ian that said that he slots in right away as the best first first base prospect in this system we've talked all year about how first base was a huge need in this system I think the only thing we have left now that we got jazz is third base, and that could really, you know, realistically be filled by Brian Anderson. I he's, you know, kind of uh, lessened my doubts this year about the third base position. But um, we filled that first base spot. That first base was a gaping hole in the system. Um, there, Evan Edwards seems really nice, um, but it just wasn't that elite prospect. That really, really good prospect, really solid at first base. And now we got that with Lewin. I mean, these guys' numbers are incredible. Uh, he's really having a great year and. Yeah, I was just so excited, just the power that's coming into the system. Like, as fun as guys that hit 310 or whatever are, like, there's nothing better than a guy that just has a slugging percentage up over 550. I mean, they're just so exciting to watch because every night they're getting a double or a triple or a home run, you know what I mean? So um, I I love this trade. I love the creativity behind it, and I really love the work the Marlins front office has done over the last three days. Yeah, Ian, you mentioned that he was going to be a Rule 5 or he was a Rule 5 candidate. When that draft came out, I sent out a tweet. I wanted yeah, this I guy this on the Marlins. I, I wanted him a year ago. So when this came across, I mean, I was thrilled because I really do believe that there are clear outliers uh, in, in a minor league's development and minor league prospects development. We saw it with Isan Diaz. We saw it with Monte Harrison. I think, Ethan, you made this point. Maybe that's what we're seeing with Jazz Chisholm, and we definitely see it with Lewin Diaz. When you look across his numbers, he has been an absolute stud, a stud. And there's nothing that you look at that's like, wow, that's a real red flag indicator, except one entire year, which is 2018. And that's just, it's It's dumbfounding. It It really is. There's a lot of conversation about, you know, his weight, his body conditioning that year. They changed up things with him in Minnesota and apparently it didn't work. But whatever, again, was reset this year has worked. I I love the trade. You know, if if I'm 50-50 about the Zach Gallen and Jazz trade, I am like 90-10 on this trade and I'm 100-0 on the Jesus Sanchez trade. It was a phenomenal, in, in my opinion, deadline. Absolute risk. Do not pretend that there isn't. There's absolutely risk with some of these deals, but beautiful. And I'll say this. If you're a Marlins fan listening, it's no longer just Danny, Ethan, and Ian that are telling you this. It's no longer just fist stripes that are telling you this. Uh, National sites are starting to see it. Fangraphs ranked them, what was it, fourth? 
The farm system's yeah. ranked fourth by fan graphs. Baseball America saw, still has them at 10 before the deadline. It, it's beautiful. And I saw Pipeline today release like their like points thing. I don't know how that works, but I guess it's just kind of like a way to judge like the top systems. And we were fifth on Pipeline, and they barely threw any sun. So they're not giving us any benefit of the doubt with our system. You know what I mean? Like, it seemed like like they put Isan at like 86 or something. Like it seemed like kind of like a petty throw into me, but yeah, they haven't given us any credit all year and they ranked us fifth. And now we've got six top 100 prospects. I mean, this is just, this is really legit, man. And we've got three more guys knocking on the door. Uh, Meisner's a possibility. Devers is a possibility. If he comes back and has another great year next year, Rogers is up Garrett. strong this year. Right, that's the th- the three guys that are knocking on the door right now. The top one hundred at this moment are Edward Cabrera, Braxton Garrett, and Trevor Rogers. There's a real possibility that if these guys all finish out the year strong with Eddie and Double A, Braxton Rogers and High A, that the Marlins could have nine top one hundred guys by uh, whenever they do their uh, end of season reset. That's sorry, Lolo, close your ears. That's fucking crazy, man based on what happened, where we were at the beginning of the year. That's insane. You couldn't have convinced me in the slightest that the Marlins would have nine top 100 prospects by the end of this season, possibly. You couldn't have convinced me that we would have six by the deadline. It's insane. And as much as we knock Mike Hill and we make fun of him, and we made fun of him during the Loria regime, this guy has put in work since this new regime took over. And, and he's made some really, really nice deals. He's gotten creative where he had to. And yeah, we might give him some flack for trading a guy like Gallon or Balamont. But when you really break it down, it makes a lot of sense. And look at the power we have in the system now. Our system was almost completely devoid of bats. And now there are many guys in the outfield. You know what I mean? So it's really, really impressive what the Marlins have done over the last couple months, what they've done over the last week or so. And uh, yeah, it's exciting, man. Six top 100 prospects. You could not have convinced me that would happen. You could not have convinced me we would have Jesus Sanchez in this system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Two points that you hit that I really want to quickly hit, and then I'm going to pass it over to Ian and we'll wrap it up. No, you hit on the pitching and you hit on the power. First, you know, losing Gallon and Valamont does not turn this pitching into a weakness. Okay, Correct. when you're talking about Sixto Sanchez and Edward Cabrera, Braxton Gary and Trevor Rogers and on and on and on and on, it doesn't suddenly turn into a weakness. It definitely balances out the system a little bit more. But I would still say that I'm competent and, and comfortable and confident. That's the word I'm looking for in the pitching within the system. The power, the Marlins top six home run leaders in the minor league system, Isan Diaz, Lewin Diaz, Jazz Chisholm, Luis Brinson, Gerard Encarnacion, Jesus Sanchez. So you just added three of your top six, 50% of your top six home run leaders in your organization, at least from the minor league level, in the last week. They saw a weakness. They saw something they had to attack. They attacked it, and that's why the Marlins now have an elite farm system. Ian, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm just I'm just so excited to, to hear that. I mean, sorry, I got I was reading some numbers here and got but I just want to I just want to follow up on a few things on these top 100 numbers. I think by opening day next year, this team could have 10. Uh, I think we're I think we're still selling Connor Scott short. I think if he finishes this year strong, he's still going to be 19 years old. I think prospect sites will will look at this kid if he finishes this year strong in Jupiter. He's got the talent to do it. And Cameron Meisner, you guys talking about Cameron Meisner being top 100 pick? He's already working on a five game hit streak already for Clinton right now. 
he's tearing the cover off the ball. I think he hit a three-run homer so last four, night in the ninth. That was a shot. Yeah, he's yeah, right. That was crushed. Dude, that was great. Crushed. Um, a little somber note on a few of our pitchers. Guys like Trevor Rogers, Braxton Garrett, Sixo Sanchez, we could be seeing them getting shut down here in the next few weeks. I talked about it a little bit the other week. These guys were already over their innings limits, and these were some guys that we could see getting shut down. As I say that, we have guys like Josh Robertson and Clinton who could be seeing a, seeing a chance in, in Jupiter before the end of the year. And that's an exciting prospect that nobody talks about, but touches 99 on the gun. He's got a nasty breaking ball. Just wanted to give a little shout-out there while we're talking at the end here. But, um, yeah, I'm just going to let Danny finish this out for you guys. I'm just glad to talk about prospects again. <laughs> one, one, thing, one thing, Ian, you're talking about guys that are flying under the radar. Let's talk about, just for a second, Luis Palacios, bro. Mm-hmm. This guy could absolutely turn into the best pitching. I, you know, this is a hot take, and it's ahead, and obviously very early. But if this dude continues on the path that he's on right now, he could turn in to the best pitching prospect the Marlins have in the system. Absolutely, dude's never had an FIP over two point eight six. Uh, all he does is kind of get people out and he doesn't really let up a ton of runs and he doesn't walk anybody either. Um, I think they, I saw he has 30 strikeouts and one walk this year in the GCL. I would love to see this guy get a few innings at the end of the year in either Batavia and Clinton uh, just to see, kind of see where he's at, maybe like a heat check on him. Worst case scenario, he's only 19 years old. You start him in the GCL again next year. He starts pitching well and dealing and then you make the jump to Batavia or Clinton. Um, this this guy's uh, I, I'm I'm not ready to say he's a hundred percent legit and I'm hundred percent sold on him, but keep an eye out on him and keep an eye out on Envin Fitterer, uh, our fifth round pick from this past year, who's just been dealing in the GCL so far. Great signing by the Marlins. Was not expected to sign. Great signing, and he's dealing. Doesn't let up a ton of runs. And yeah, man, I mean the pitching just continues on down the line. Uh, Remy Reed's having a great year. Jackson Rose is having a really nice year, and these are guys we never even heard about so yeah man it's awesome yeah i think if there's one thing we can start talking about with player development here in the marlins is that if the national perspective doesn't know about these players yet they're going to learn about them sooner or later because when you're talking about palacios and fitterer and some of the other names that you mentioned you know we can't say that they're guarantees just like you said but i think it's a great call to bring them up now because these really are players that we can see developing into the later on rogers and garrett's that we now know always i will always ask for you to like and subscribe and leave a review it doesn't help us in any way but it lets us know what we need to change or the fact that you are enjoying what you are listening to give us your feedback and i hope that you enjoy what we give back to you go fish